silent treatment is covert narcissism because you're being secretly mistreated and you're also emotionally being blackmailed to keep their secret. Covert narcissism, I've heard it said, can be one of the worst types of pathological narcissism there tends to be, which I can kind of see that. And from personal experience, I can tell you, when you suffer in silence, it's a very vicious cycle because you want to tell, but at the same time, the person who is mistreating you, you don't want to harm them. You don't want to hurt them, but they're bringing you harm. It's a very vicious cycle. Covert narcissism can be a very vicious cycle in and of itself. You know, a lot of narcissists and some cluster personality types, they like to keep that vicious cycle of narcissistic abuse going, which is idealization, devaluation, and discard. But within all of that, there's another wheel that's turning, and that is covert narcissism. Because when you are suffering in silence, that's a clear indication, well, really to you, from people who are on the outside looking in, it may not be as apparent, but it begins to become apparent to you that you're suffering in silence because you are emotionally being blackmailed to keep the covert narcissist dark and dirty secret that they are mistreating you. functional roles, codependence, doormats, flying monkeys, sexual rebounds, enablers, scapegoats, emotional punching bag, human wastebasket. See, all of these are dysfunctional roles that the narcissist and or cluster personality emotionally manipulates others to play as they reenact their childhood trauma or We're being challenged all over the world to take a deeper look inside, to dive a little deeper, okay? We're recognizing certain things. Triggering is one of the things that some of us are feeling more lately. Okay, so being triggered by narcissists or cluster personality types that are in your life a little bit more lately than usual, right? Okay, been there, done that. But a lot of us are experiencing this right now. So during this quarantine or quarantine, this is the time, right, to clear out some things. So that's going to mean taking off the rose-colored glasses. That's going to mean recognizing certain things, old familiar patterns that are no longer serving you, okay? This is energetically draining, heavy on the heart, on the mind, and on the spirit. 
So when the trigger happens, that's the purpose of that. It is not advocating that anyone be mistreated. It is, this is not to advocate or say it's okay that your partner may be mistreating you in such a way. That means we're gonna have to come face to face with our shadow. This means that certain people will prove to be a vessel or to be the catalyst of unnecessary change. There are two dynamics that prove to be the bloodline or the lifeline that keeps narcissistic codependent relationships alive. That is change and control. Whenever you try to change your partner and they're trying to control you, change and control, those two dynamics keep you locked or stuck in a sunken place that is the narcissistic codependent relationship, which is highly addictive. Therefore, it's habitual. I'll get to the habit in a minute. But you can flip that around. Very often, not only do partners trigger each other in order to recognize what they need to, to do to or recognize their pain that needs to heal, but also they flip or swap roles unconsciously. Say you're trying to control your narcissist or cluster personality type unconsciously, and they're trying to change you you will often swap those roles. It's habitual because of the grooming process. One of the most effective narcissistic tactics that covert narcissists use is the silent treatment. What does the silent treatment do? Well, of course, it grooms a person to become silent about the shenanigans that the covert narcissist pulls within a narcissistic codependent relationship. But here's another thing that it does. It blinds the target of a covert narcissist. It also blinds people on the outside looking in. So when covert narcissists pull the narcissistic tactic of a silent treatment, it is often the prerequisite to a target possibly being groomed for becoming a flying monkey later down the road. This is why some people who are, you know, good people, they may be enablers of a covert narcissist. They often are blind to the real purpose, okay, or the real hidden agenda of a covert narcissist in order to obtain source supply, okay? Um, this is often why we see some so-called good people being played or conned by a covert narcissist. Well, they wear a mask of a victim. Narcissists generally have many pawns in the game. So when it comes to a covert narcissist, they often put on the mask of a victim or a saint or a martyr. So when you think about that, you know, this is very often why covert narcissists are able to blindfold people to their shenanigans and to their, well, the key word is hidden agendas. So when a narcissist uses the silent treatment as a narcissistic tactic, they are also grooming a person to be blind to what's really going on. <laughs> Thank you.
Welcome to my channel, Luminous Star. For you guys and gals who are current subscribers, thank you so much for your subscription. Also, thank you for motivating the entire planet by sharing your stories. Not only do you motivate others, but you inspire them, as well as yours truly. So please keep sharing your stories. I know how difficult it is to do sometimes because in today's world, it's pretty difficult to even find anybody trustworthy enough to share your stories with. But you heard it from me. When you share your stories, you motivate and inspire a lot of people on the planet. So keep it up. If this is your first time visiting Luminous Star, welcome to the Luminous Star channel. And why don't you join the Star family by hitting that subscription button below. We would love to have you join us. Today's video is about learning how to say no. Learning how to say no, especially to the narcissist. A lot of us who have backgrounds in dysfunctional families have had a few cluster personality relatives. So some of us have been groomed to behave codependently. So it's triple, I was going to say double tough, but it's triple tough, okay, to say the word no. A lot of people on the planet have difficulty saying that word no, even if they don't have a background in such as having cluster personalities in their families or narcissists. It's tough to say no anyway. I did a video last year about how goodbye, the word goodbye and the word no are two friends of mine. And they can become your friends too, okay? <laughs> so stay tuned for today's video, which is again about learning how to say no to especially the narcissist, okay? Mind the description button below. Description button description box, okay? Mind the description box below where you will find more details pertaining to today's video, okay? Having said all that, I'm Luminous Star. I wish you the best and stay tuned for the video. And hello there, this is Luminous Star. Welcome to my channel, Luminous Star. For you guys and gals who are current subscribers, mwah, thank you so much for subscribing. Thank you for sharing your stories and thank you for keeping me inspired and motivated to keep this channel active. For all of you who are visiting Luminous Star for the first time, welcome and why don't you join the Star family by hitting that subscription button below. We would love to have you. Today's video is about learn to say no, especially to a narcissist. I'm going to be going over a few points, a few tools, and also mind the description box below for further details to today's video. Wherever you may be today or tonight, I wish you the very best. Don't forget to like and also share the video. First point, by practicing assertiveness, one is not placing the narcissist or cluster personality on the defense while choosing to express his or her mind and emotions without offending. However, when it pertains to the cluster personality and those with a narcissistic personality disorder, it is easy to offend him or her without intending to do so. The false self-image is easily threatened by any form of challenge, 
from others in the relationship. Pause. First of all, the cluster B personality and the narcissist, they already have major insecurities. So when you add to that the fact that they have a false self-image to uphold, <laughs> okay, then that can really make the relationship extremely rocky and challenging. So even when you say something and you don't even mean to offend him or her, you can easily do so. And this, again, is directly linked to his or her having a false self-image and also him or her having major insecurities. Okay, so by practicing assertiveness, really you are not intentionally trying to put him or her on the defense. You're not trying to put the narcissist, the cluster personality, or anyone on the defense. You're simply expressing how you feel and what you think, again, without intentionally offending anyone. So when it comes to the cluster personality and the narcissist, once again, even when you don't intend to, you can still end up offending him or her. Emotions that narcissists and those with a cluster personality have no difficulty expressing are jealousy, anger, fear, and hatred. Pause. So these four emotions here, these are four emotions that most cluster personalities and narcissists feel pretty much consistently. I wouldn't say constantly, however, consistently. So really, there's probably not too many days that go by <laughs> that the narcissist or the cluster personality doesn't feel one or all of these emotions, and they have no difficulty expressing these emotions. Next point, while these emotions are expressed with certain tactics, such as gaslighting, are used by the cluster personality, and or narcissist, he or she is focused upon maintaining a strong sense of control. These emotions and tactics can result in others experiencing trauma, states of depression, and anxiety while having unresolved anger. Rather than comply to such behavior, it may be better to take steps to practice assertion or saying no. So yes, if you start practicing assertion, more than likely it will be a game changer. But I want to forewarn you, we're dealing with the cluster personality or narcissist. So expect him or her to not take it so lightly that you are now deciding you're going to become a little bit more assertive. It's not that you are wrong. It's not that you are intentionally trying to offend him or her. See, the bottom line is, with the cluster personality and the narcissist, they're pretty much on edge all the time for a good fight. In other words, or translation, he or she is easily offended, even when others don't intend to offend him or her. So once you start practicing assertion, of course they're going to notice, the cluster personality that is, and the narcissist, they're going to notice and another thing that's probably going to happen is that he or she will challenge you. They're going to try to knock you back down a peg or two. So expect this. But the more you practice assertion, the better you will become at it. So the emotions that I mentioned before, jealousy, anger, fear, and hatred, these are emotions 
that the cluster B personality and the narcissist will express. But let's not forget those tactics that they will use, such as gaslighting. Okay, so while they are expressing these emotions here, they're also utilizing certain tactics like gaslighting. So they're going to combine. So there's there's a lot of things going on. So as you practice assertion, don't expect the cluster personality or the narcissist to stop expressing these emotions here because more than likely they will intensify because the false self image is going to be threatened by your practicing assertion because the cluster B personality, they're notorious for trying to dominate the relationship or all relationships for that matter that they have. So he or she is not going to take too kindly to this quote, new you unquote. But again, once you start to practice assertion, it will become a little bit easier to you, but at first it will be challenging. So please be forewarned and use discretion. So while these emotions are being expressed along with the techniques such as gaslighting, this is a challenge to you, or this is a way for the cluster personality and the narcissist to knock you back down a peg or two, or to discourage you from practicing personal boundaries, because he or she is not going to practice personal boundaries. This is also why when you begin to, or should you choose to begin to practice assertion, you're going to be met up with challenges that will feel uncomfortable. So again, be forewarned. However, I want to go ahead and encourage you today to continue to thrive forward by applying assertion to your support base or practicing it anyway. And rather than comply to such behavior, right? These emotions that I mentioned, the emotions along with the techniques such as gaslighting and other, I mean, so many tactics that the cluster personality and the narcissist has for source supply. I mean, most of us have lost count, but there are many. So while all of this is going on, rather than complying to such behavior, okay, or the conditions or the theme of the unhealthy relationship, it may be better to take small steps to practice assertion or by saying no. And again, before warned, it will be challenging. Tools. Tool number one, research assertion and how to begin practicing it. Tool number two, rejuvenate your energy body by practicing mindfulness. Tool number three, try to remember the last time you compromised with an unreasonable demand of the narcissist or the cluster personality only to feel defeated. Let that motivate you to practice assertion by saying no. Pause, the last tool. So yes, you might want to try to remember that last time you gave in when your gut said to say no, and you didn't. You went against what you truly desired or needed in the relationship, and you compromised with an unreasonable, that's a key word, unreasonable demand. Okay, they didn't even request. <laughs> the cluster personality and the narcissist, no, they didn't request. They just demanded that you go along with an unreasonable Whatever, whatever that unreasonable thing was, they wanted you to go along with the unreasonable demand. Okay, so remember the last time that happened. 
a lot of us, again, have lost count of those times where our gut and our hearts and our spirits said no, but we went on and we compromised only to feel defeated later. Okay, so just think about all those times and let that be what motivates you to start practicing assertion or practice saying no a little bit more often. The second tool, rejuvenate your energy body. Absolutely. I did a few videos about how to break the low energy cycle. Rejuvenating your energy body goes right along with that. Because after you break the low energy cycle with the, with the narcissist, actually from the narcissist or the cluster B personality, your energy body more than likely will feel rejuvenated, if not reborn. Because you are letting go a lot of stuff. Because think about it. A lot of us who have had unhealthy relationships with the cluster B personality and or the narcissist, we were carrying a lot of stuff. We were burdened down by a lot of their stuff as well as our own. Because the cluster B personality and narcissist, one of the things that they are notorious for is for projecting everything that they don't like about themselves, the things that they do not want to face or resolve for themselves. They are dumping on to others in the relationship. So rejuvenate your energy body because a lot of times, more than likely, you feel drained after dealing with the cluster B personality and the narcissist. And a lot of you who live with these individuals, I, I really, my heart goes out to you. I feel compassion for you. I've been there. I've done that. For you all today, especially my stars, who are currently in a situation where you live with the narcissist or cluster B personality, again, I know how that feels. I know that experience. So, more than likely, you feel quite drained in your energy body quite a bit. Okay? So, rejuvenate your energy body by practicing mindfulness. Research mindfulness. There's a lot of techniques to mindfulness. I will give you one. When you sit down and put pen to pad or you type out or you take a tape recorder and you record yourself speaking what you're feeling and thinking. Okay, because when you do a journal or when you're journaling, that is a book of you. You've heard of the book of Eli, right? But this is the book of you. You're simply recording your life your life experiences, the lessons you're learning, your perceptions, okay, about life, yourself, others, all of your experiences, your life is being recorded by you. So when you journal, it's a very powerful thing and it can prove to be a game changer. I can speak from experience on that one. So this is how you can rejuvenate your energy body, practicing mindfulness. The first tool, research assertion and how to begin practicing it. That's pretty self-explanatory. Research assertion, but I also want to suggest again to research practicing mindfulness. Okay, because again, some of us, we live with the cluster B personality or the narcissist. So right now, the circumstances are where you cannot change it right away. Okay, however, that does not mean you can't do something <laughs> for yourself to help yourself thrive forward. And on that note, let's move forward. 
Questions. First question. What's the best that can happen if you simply replied no to the narcissist or cluster personality? Pause. So think about, again, I just want to encourage, especially my stars, think about the last time you compromised, okay, with the unrealistic expectation or a very unrealistic demand, okay, or unreasonable demand. What happened? How did you feel? What type of thoughts were going on in your mind? You probably felt defeated. And you probably thought to yourself, man, I knew better, (laughs) right? So just let that motivate you to practice saying no. So the question again, what's the best that can happen? Not the worst. What's the best that can happen? Because you probably pretty much already know the worst that can happen. You've experienced it. But have you experienced the best that can happen by simply saying no? So try that one off a size. What's the best that can happen? Okay, second question. Can you envision yourself practicing assertion? If not, why not? Pause. Some of us who have been groomed as children to behave codependently as adults, yeah, this one is going to be really tough. And not judging. I'm not judging. I'm simply making the point that if a child is groomed to behave codependently, Practicing assertion will seem like a pipe dream because he or she is so accustomed to pleasing others. So can you envision yourself at least, if you're not at least practicing it or putting it into radical action, could you at least envision yourself practicing assertion? Visualization is a very game-changing tactic. It really is. So if you're not already putting it to radical action, if you're not doing it already, the first start to doing something, the first step to doing something is to see it in your mind. So can you envision yourself practicing assertion? If not, why not? And it very well could be because you're not accustomed to practicing assertion. You're accustomed to pleasing everyone else especially those who have a predatory nature. You tend to self-sacrifice for individuals who do not validate you or who you know deep down inside would never sacrifice themselves for you. Okay, so this may be why it's difficult for you to envision. But I want to encourage you today to start. One way you can start envisioning your self-practicing assertion is to get a collage. Get some images out of a newspaper, a magazine, or print some images out on the computer. Put a collage together. And as you journal, start looking at those images. So that way you can just go ahead and envision yourself doing some of these powerful things that you see in these images. You can see somebody running a marathon. Put that in your collage. A picture of someone playing with their pets. Place it in your collage. And so on and so on. This way, you can just start envisioning yourself practicing assertion. Third and final question. What's the hook in which keeps you complying to unrealistic expectations of others 
and the emotional demands of an unhealthy relationship or unhealthy relationships. Pause. So what's the hook? That's the key word in that question. So what is it that keeps you anchored in the unhealthy relationship? Because there's a lot of unrealistic expectations that go on in unhealthy relationships from a broken marriage to a domestic violence situation to a dysfunctional family. What do all of those have in common? Unrealistic expectations. So what's the hook that keeps you anchored and complying with the unrealistic expectations and the unhealthy relationship? There are a lot of emotional demands that are very unrealistic. Okay, the the demands are very emotional and actually spiritual as well. That's another video. But check out the hook. What keeps you anchored in the unhealthy relationship? Some of us have several unhealthy relationships. So what keeps you hooked? And I know for me, once I looked at that, yeah, it was a game changer. Because with all the shenanigans going on in that unhealthy relationship, it is very tough to focus and see things clearly. Been there, done that. (laughs) I have absolutely been there, done that. And what helped me to see things a little bit more clearly was when I began to journal and I began to envision myself doing something. Then the next thing I knew, I started to take radical action and voila, I was practicing assertion and my confidence increased. So again, what's the hook? What's keeping you anchored in that unhealthy relationship or those unhealthy relationships? I want to thank everybody for watching. I'm Luminous Star. Wherever you may be today or tonight, I wish you the very best. So stay tuned for more videos. Hey there, I'm Luminous Star. Welcome to vlog day number five. I want to share with you all just, I mean, I was reading a book this morning. I want to read just a couple of highlighted areas, actually three highlighted areas, um, pardon me, in a book that I have been reading for at least the last three weeks now. And I've been mentioning this book, Terrifying Transferences, Aftershock of Childhood Trauma by Lawrence E. Hedges. And this is a great book to read. And I'm gonna read for you just a few or these three highlighted areas that I really thought was very interesting because it talks about the trust issue. Even though the trust issue, you know, somebody who's on the outside looking in, they may think that the trust issue should not be there because it's a pretty good relationship. But for those who have a background in childhood trauma and they have had, you know, narcissistic abuse in their lives since their childhood, they have been in relationships with those with a cluster personality or narcissistic personality. Yeah, this the trust issue can be there for a lot longer. Now, I'm not sharing this to discourage anyone. 
I'm just pointing a few things out here that I think are very highlightable, you know, to keep in mind, especially if you're some of you, my stars, some of my stars who are reading this book with me. Um, this is great because we're going to be talking about this book in further detail. Okay, I'm going to bring this book back up into discussion, probably on a live stream, and I'll probably make the whole live stream about this book. And of course, this will probably be after I finish reading the book. Okay, so here are the um, highlighted areas here. Uh, here we go. So through simple conditioning, wait a minute, let me make sure you guys can see that. Ah, there we go. So through simple conditioning, the trust relationship itself becomes the object of terror and proportion to whatever extent it was originally unsuccessful in quelling the rising tide of overwhelming distress and pain. Later trust relationships or trust situations are then imbued with this conditioned fear and its accompanying clamor. Okay, I want to stop right there for a minute. Conditioned fear. That's very highlightable. Conditioned fear. Because in a lot of the, the videos that I've done, I mentioned how a custody personality and a narcissist, one of the things that they do is they like to invoke or influence fear in other people. Okay, so I think these two words right here are very highlightable, you know, or to keep in mind. Conditioned fear. Clamor takes myriad forms, but in therapy, it functions to produce a breach in interpersonal connection or to limit the possibility of sustained connection. Now, another thing that I've been talking about lately is interpersonal skills which the narcissist and cluster personality, they lack. They lack interpersonal skills. So a person who's been in a relationship with a narcissist or cluster personality during their childhood and maybe even through their adolescence on into their adulthood, so the inter they had firsthand experience about a person or concerning a person who lacks interpersonal skills. Therefore, the, the interpersonal connection will not be there. You see where I'm going with this? Because a person who's been in a relationship with a narcissist and cluster personality, they have firsthand experience, extended experience, actually. And being in a relationship that's very dysfunctional with a person who lacks interpersonal skills, therefore the interpersonal connection is not there. So when they go see a therapist or a counselor, this is the issue that's going to be taking place here. There's always going to be a trust, well, not always, but there's going to be a trust issue that may be a little bit uh, more challenging than someone who hasn't had a relationship with someone who lacks interpersonal skills. You know, because you, a therapist, they can get plenty of clients and people who come into their office. They may have trust issues, but they may not necessarily have had relationships in their childhood with somebody who lacks interpersonal skills, like a narcissist or a cluster personality. Therefore, the interpersonal connection or the problem with interpersonal connection may not be their case due to narcissistic abuse. But someone who does have, who has had narcissistic abuse, especially since childhood, this trust issue is gonna be a little bit more challenging. Now, this is why I mentioned this in the live stream the other night. You know, I was talking about how that trust issue, actually on the last vlog that I did, vlog number four, I was talking about how the trust issue is really more challenging for those of us 
who have a background in dysfunctional families, dysfunctional relationships with cluster B personality and narcissists. Because one of the things that a narcissist does is they like to use fear to, um, well, I'll get to that in a minute. I'll just read this last, this last section because it's going to get into the point that I was just about to make. The person is terrified of connections, of relationship, because interconnectedness in the primordial past was known to be hurtful. Okay, so this is, this is also why there's the trust issue. Nobody wants to get hurt again, right? So a lot of the human thing to do is to protect oneself from getting hurt or being in a very dangerous situation. But the thing about being in a relationship during childhood with a narcissist and cluster personality is that one is groomed to behave a certain way, to even think a certain way. Okay, so I just wanted to point these uh, highlighted areas out because I think this really speaks to the trust issue that a lot of people deal with when they're dealing with uh, the cluster personality and the narcissist. And then when they branch out to other people and they want to have healthy relationships, the trust issue is still there. Okay. And it's just very hard to, it's very challenging to work through, but it's not impossible. But I really wanted to point this out. Again, the book is Terrifying Transferences. Lawrence E. Hedges is the author, but no worries. I'll leave it in the description box below. But yeah, this is a great book to read. It's about 489 pages. So just to give you an idea of how much reading you may have ahead of you, if you haven't started reading this book, but for those of you who, who are reading the book right now with me, you know, again, no worries. We're going to have a discussion about this book and a future video. I may just do a regular video or I may go ahead and just have this as a topic in a live stream so we can really talk about, so, you know, this book and maybe if you have, have and maybe if you all have questions, so we can really talk about this book. Uh, some of you may have questions and maybe we can just, you know, make the live stream about the discussion of this book. Okay. So as you can see, I've really <laughs> highlighted some areas here that I really thought was very highlightable. So, uh, yeah, the trust issue is there. Absolutely. The other thing I wanted to mention again was conditioned fear. So conditioned fear is something that I also think is very important to keep in mind, not just the trust issue, but the conditioned fear, which actually relates to the trusted issue. You know, having a, a issue of not trusting people, even though they have proven to be trustworthy. That conditioned fear is there, which leads again to the trust issue because people don't want to be hurt again. They don't want to be in that situation again where they are being abused and used. So it's just a, it's a reflex, you know, some people who have childhood trauma due to having narcissistic uh, parents or having um, those in their relationships, dysfunctional relationships who may have a cluster personality or a narcissistic personality, again, the conditioned fear is set. Therefore, they're going to have trust issues. Even when people have proven themselves to be trustworthy, it's still going to be a lot of cautionary. It, it, I mean, a lot of people should be cautionary anyway and not just, you know, automatically trust 
others. You know, trust, it takes time to build up. But a person who has had his or her trust violated since their childhood, again, there's going to be an additional challenge there for the trust issue. But again, it can be worked through. When they go to a counselor and therapist, the counselor or the therapist, they have to build trust with their client. So a person who has been dealing with trust issues and the condition fear, right? The, the therapist and the, the therapist and the counselor, they're going to have a little bit more work. So to do. this is something that a lot of people who had childhood trauma uh, run into when they go, even when they go see somebody like a mentor, a life coach, a therapist, a counselor, someone that they ought to be able to trust, they're still going to be dealing with that condition fear. Therefore, they're going to have that trust issue. They're going to always be looking, well, not always, but a lot of times they're going to, he or she may be looking for the other shoe to drop, you know, subconsciously. They may be looking for uh, reasons to not trust the mentor, to not trust the counselor. But I just wanted to point this out to you all because I know a lot of you who may be watching this vlog, you've probably either gone through this yourself or you know someone who has. So having said all that, I wanted to share those areas that I highlighted in the book because lately I've been bringing this book up <laughs> in the videos. So I just wanted you all to know some of my thoughts on that, you know, for this vlog and everything. So I really hope you enjoyed that. But the other thing I want to conclude, I mean, really, this is something that a lot of people who have childhood trauma, they deal with. Even when they're dealing with someone that they ought to be able to trust, or maybe they have to a certain extent began to trust, okay? They started to trust them. However, it's like this feeling of waiting for the other shoe to drop because their trust has been violated in the past due to narcissistic abuse, having a dysfunctional family, or what have you. So I just really wanted to share that. And don't forget in the description box below, you can find that link to the uh, introduction of the book. And now the thing I want to leave with you all in this vlog is that even when somebody is in a very good relationship and they have had a relationship with a narcissist and a cussy personality, see, this is one of the reasons why the trust issue is there, in my opinion, and also from personal experience. The trust has been violated. So being in a healthy relationship or a relationship that feels pretty good the thing that has happened with the narcissist and the cluster personality is that he or she has left a lot of things unsaid and undone, which also can influence a, tr a no trust issue. Like I should, you know, I'm not going to trust this person because they're not revealing things about themselves that really, you know, it would be great to know in this relationship. So the narcissist and cluster personality, they tend to be a person who's very mysterious and very secretive when it comes to their relationships because they're withholding information and they do this on purpose. So the other person, when the relationship is over, they get the sense of, wow, there's a lot of things that hasn't been said and hasn't been done. So I feel like there's more business to take care of. I feel like there's unfinished business with this person, even though the relationship ended 10 years ago. So it has that feeling of there's more business to take care of. There's unfinished business to take care of. You know, there's always something missing. And the narcissist and cluster personality, they do that on purpose, by the way. This way they can come back into the relationship and they're counting on the other person 
to uh, pursue him or her for validation, for closure. You see where I'm going with this? There's, all, there's that feeling of unfinished business. And the narcissist and cluster personality, they influence that in other people. I'm not saying they're totally the cause of it. What I'm saying is they influence that kind of feeling in other people because there's a lot of things that are unsaid. There are a lot of things that are undone in the relationship because they're very mysterious and secretive. They don't know how to connect to other people. There's a lack of emotional re regulation. So the narcissist and cluster personality, they're really not connecting to people that they're involved with or they have a relationship with. It's a dysfunctional relationship. That's partly why it's dysfunctional. Because the narcissist and cluster personality, they lack empathy. They lack uh, the ability to emotionally regulate. And also, they lack the ability to have intimate relationships. So when you put all that together, a person who has had that kind of experience, where even when they have great relationships, or what it looks like to be great relationships, that trust issue is still going to be there because of that. They're waiting for the other shoe to drop. You know, they still feel like there's unfinished business with the narcissist and cluster personality. On one hand, they're still looking for the validation and closure from that person, the narcissist and the cluster personality, because they were uh, emotionally involved with him or her. It could be a parent who's a cluster personality. It can be a parent who's a narcissistic personality. It can be a spouse, an ex-lover. So when you combine that with the fact that a person want to have a great relationship they want the connection with other people it's kind of like they're in limbo they have a past with the narcissist or the cousin personality that feels unfinished right yet they would like to move on and thrive forward and have great relationships with people who behave like they could be trustworthy or they have proven to be trustworthy but there's still like that feeling of limbo between the past and the present going on into the future. It's, it's like a person is in limbo and there's the trust issue. This person is like, well, the narcissist in the past, it feels like things were unsaid and undone. So I feel like there's unfinished business there. Yet, on the other hand, there's people that really treat me pretty well. And it seems like they would be great to have relationships with, but I'm afraid because I'm still de dealing with this and I'm not getting what I need or want from this, from this end. So on this end, it's probably not going to happen. So I just wanted to, you know, share that with you all. And I certainly hope you enjoyed this vlog day number five. Stay tuned for more vlogs. Stay tuned for more videos. I'm Luminous Star. Special shout out to my stars. Mwah. Thank you for your subscription. Thank you for motivating me and inspiring me to keep this channel Luminous Star active.